so it's no wonder that most horse a lot of horses that you see at tie posts will they will be anxious they'll be dancing around moving back and forth they'll be pawing they'll be whinnying for their friends they'll you know be hanging back they'll be doing all sorts of behaviors i mean it's actually something we've created by the way that we set them up for it Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Hello. Hey. I was going to say good morning, and then I was like, I guess it's really not morning. (laughs) (laughs) Good afternoon. Yeah, how was your week? Pretty good. Sent one horse home and got another one in, so that was fun. Nice. Well, Sandy and I did our second ride this weekend. Mm-hmm. That was our fun thing. She did super, super, super well. I was actually really excited about it. Yeah, fourth place. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. Because did I tell you I got lost in everything? <laughs> <laughs> And I still got fourth place. If I hadn't gotten lost, we probably would have come in second. That's awesome. But I, yeah, my, I had a brain fart and instead of turning at the, cause you follow ribbons and stuff. Um, and they mark like a turn with three ribbons. So if there's three ribbons, you know, you need to look for a turn. So I was just going along, along this really nice road. I see my ribbon color and in my head, it just went, oh. Like, that means I'm on the right trail. I'm good. I'm going to continue going. Well, then I hit this point at the end of this trail where there was, like, four turns and there was zero ribbons. And I'm like, I don't I don't know. And there was a couple of gals not too far behind me. So I kind of waited for a second to see if they'd come around the mountain. And they never did. So, so I backtracked and went back up. And, yeah, sure enough, I, I missed the big turn that took me right into camp. <laughs> but even so, we still got fourth. And she recovered a lot better than the first one which that was my whole goal was to have her recover better so she came in um and at the vet check was down to 48 48 beats per minute in her heart rate which was amazing because last time it took me 10 minutes to get her down to 60 not quite 10 but took me a long time (laughs) I felt to get her down to that so it went very well met a couple of new people made some friends so awesome that sounds like an awesome weekend I'm happy for you Thanks. Also, well, it was my little boy's ninth birthday last week. So that was fun. He got to go to the arcade with his friends and and got a big dinosaur Nerf gun and a drone that he's been having fun with. Just a little cheap Walmart drone for him to play with. And so that's been fun. That is super fun. Happy birthday to Trip. Yeah. Yeah, I have a seven and a nine-year-old now. <laughs> so fun. Well, should we get onward to our topic? Yeah, I feel like this fits pretty well, too, because we had, um, there's a couple of horses who did that this weekend, who did our, <laughs> we're, we're talking about hanging back, tying, and there was a couple of horses in camp who did that and broke through a couple of things and got loose. So mm-hmm. I think this this is a good topic to discuss. I've had a few horses that, have struggled with this behavior (laughs) in my lifetime. And I feel like most people have seen horses hang back or have had an issue and not quite sure what to do about it. 
Yeah. So do you want to tell our listeners what hanging back is just in case anyone is not a horse person or is a brand new horse person, hasn't seen it before, just so that everyone is clear on what we are talking about? Yes, of course. So hanging back is a common behavior. If you have a horse tied to something, they'll often pull back really aggressively at, at whatever it is they're tied to. Sometimes horses will even flip themselves over when they do this. Sometimes they break whatever it is that they're tied to, or they'll flip whatever it is that they're tied to over. Um, it's a really dangerous behavior. If you are caught with a horse doing that, it, you can get trampled, you can get stuck between them and something. Um, and it's just scary to see because it's a big, powerful animal really kind of losing its its mind at, at the tie rail and trying to get away. Um, and I feel like you can see this a little bit in your riding as well. So horses sometimes will have this behavior. You'll see horses flip themselves over on top of their riders. Um, if like those are the really extreme cases, right? But yeah, so that's that's what we talk about when we're hanging back. It's literally the horse hanging at like aggressively backwards going in a backward direction yep and I made a post a few days ago asking all of my clients and Facebook followers you know just to answer yes or no have you ever personally seen or dealt with a horse hanging back I did not get a single no answer (laughs) so that goes to show you how common it is um And I think the reason why it's so common is I don't think a lot of people know how to fix it. It is a very difficult problem to fix. Um, It's not something that has any kind of like tried and true thing that just snaps a horse out of it. Um, So we will be talking about some of the ways to help the horses that have learned how to hang back and have created a habit out of hanging back. But we're also going to talk about how to teach your young horses um, from a young age how to tie properly so that they don't ever have to deal with that behavior of hanging back. So, Yeah, I think it is a common thing. And it's one that it's very hard to fix, or at least I've always mm-hmm. been told it's very hard to fix. And I've had a couple of horses who have had this behavior and I've always just been more of the mindset of, okay, we're just going to make any of the environments that they're in. So they don't do that. Um, whether we just don't tie them hard to things. And what that means is like, you don't actually tie like a full on knot. Um, like I would just loop them around or, or something. So if they did pull back, they got loose and it wasn't, a wreck um but so I'm really excited actually to learn some of your tips in dealing with this yeah I've dealt with it a few times (laughs) so we will share some stories about those along the way so I think one of the big questions is why why do horses hang back why do they hit the end of this lead rope and panic um and In my opinion, there are several reasons why there's not just one. It can be only one of these. It could be a combination of these things. Um, So the things that I think lead to a horse hanging back would be a horse being tied before they're ready to be tied. So in other words, they don't have the skills. um, They haven't learned well enough to give to pressure, things like that. So you're just tying them, but you haven't taught your horse the skills they need to be tied in the first place. Having a history of hanging back. So whether it's um, like a 
big storm blew through while your horse was tied when it was in the early stages of learning how to stand tied. And then it created some sort of trauma response uh, that makes a horse nervous about tying because then they had a very valid reason to panic. They panicked at the tie post. And then from then on, tie post equals panic, right? Um, so things in their history like that, that can lead to anxiety with being tied or being stuck, being stuck in one place. Um, so definitely trauma, things like that. Um, the other thing is horses that don't lead well or respond to pull pressure, which this is kind of what Michaela was just talking about with this can um, be seen in their ridden work as well. So if they're going to be pushing on your lead rope, they're most likely going to be pushing on your reins as well. Um, and they're going to be bracing against your reins instead of giving to that pressure. So the tools that I think a horse needs to tie well would be response to pressure with the lead rope. So leading, you know, forward, back, sideways, um, away from you, towards you, any kind of pressure with the lead rope, pulling down with the lead rope, pulling forward with the lead rope. Um, this horse needs to be able to respond to pressure in all shapes and forms. And I think that your horse should even need to respond to pressure in their body as well to be able to move their body away from you when they are tied. So if you push their hip over and you need them to move over at the tie post, they need to be able to move their hip over and away from you and move their shoulder as well over and away from you. So those are some of the tools there. Another big one is mental control. So that means your horse needs to be able to see something that is potentially scary. And instead of being in panic mode for the next 20 minutes and not being able to handle their stress, they need to be able to take that stress and say, okay, that was just a something that blew in the wind. That was just a trash bag that blew by in this storm. Um, and so they need to be able to come down from a stressful response very easily, very quickly, um, because if they can't, that's when they're going to sit and thrash and and hit the end of that and just keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. So um, I think those are the main tools. Do you have any other ones, Michaela? Yeah, not necessarily a tool, actually, just a question for you or maybe your thoughts, because both horses that I have had who I've had hanging back issues with, um, one, I do feel like his was more of a stress response because he never hung back if there was other horses around. But if he was the only horse or like the other horses were leaving, he'd hang back and always break the lead rope or whatever it was he was tied to. Um, but then I had another one who had a hanging back issue and I could never like pinpoint the reason for him hanging back. Honestly, it just seemed like he was just doing it just because he knew he could like like a, a getaway response because he was another one that it didn't matter what he was tied with he broke whatever it was um so I wondered if you ever have come across a horse like more in that ladder position where there's really like he didn't he not really a stress response like he never really seemed stressed he would just literally pull back break the thing and then just go graze or just walk off like it wasn't like a oh my gosh and get away and run away kind of a thing or run towards their herd he just was just like break the thing and it was just like a nonchalant like yep and then just go about his business I, I wondered if you had ever seen a horse do that 
Um, not so much. Most of the time when I've seen it, it's been horses that are literally panicking. You know, they are in this, uh, I am going to die <laughs> mindset where they're just panicking and thrashing. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I've seen horses do that with tie rings as far as like, they'll just keep pulling on it until it comes loose. Um, but as far as like an actual hangback where they're going to be pulling hard enough to snap something. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. But I mean, I guess it does make sense if it doesn't hurt him enough and he just knows he could snap the line and, and get loose, then I guess maybe it's just a learned behavior at that point for him to be able to go get what he wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause I've, he's one that I think about, like, how could we go about helping a horse with that? Like what tools, what tools would, would you have for that? Cause, um, with the more normal responses, like you said, when they're panicking is like, yeah, we can help them through that. Like by building up the foundations leading up to this, right. And, and helping them work through some of these situations, but with a learned response behavior, I wonder if that is something that you even could fix. Cause in my head right now, I'm just like, how would we fix that? If that makes sense. Yeah. So for that type of a situation, one of the techniques that's going to help, um, and this will help in a horse that is scared as well, but particularly with a horse like this, that's just doing it to get free where there, there's not as much of a stress response, which I don't know, without seeing it, it's hard to say, but I do feel like there is some level of stress at some point or he wouldn't be wanting to get away. Right. Um, but in any case, the technique is to get a lunge line. So something that's 20 to 30 feet. Um, so longer than your average 10 to 14 foot lead rope. Um, and then you're going to loop it a couple of times over your tie post. And then you're going to get at the end of the rope and you're just going to stand there as if your horse were standing tied. And then when they hang back, so this is for your horses that have repeatedly done it. Um, when that horse hangs back, they're going to have some give and they're, as they pull back, it's that line is going to stay tight the whole time. And then you're just going to stay with them. And that the length of that rope gives you enough leverage that they'll usually stop hanging back before the rope gets to the end. And then you just, they come off the pressure and then you bring them back up to the tie post. So they never are able to get away so we're at, like the type of learned response of learning that, hey, when I do this, I get away and I get to go graze. Um, then they learn that I I can't get away. You know, it's, it's not possible for me to get away. Um, but the problem with that is I do feel like a horse that is smart enough to do that would probably realize when you were there and when you weren't. Um, so... In that case, Thinking possibly, horses. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you could possibly just get, like, I recommend for horses that hang back, do not use clips on your halters, metal clips. The metal is the first thing to break every time before your rope will, unless you have a really cheap rope. <laughs> so my advice is to get the double braided polyester ropes, which are nice and thick, like five eighths inch ones, and then have a loop splice on them, which just means you're going to connect the loops, the loop of the halter and the loop of your lead rope together so that there is no metal piece. Um, and that way, most of the time that is going to prevent a horse from breaking something. A lot of times just knowing that they can't break something can help them come off of it because some horses will sit and thrash for, I mean, for a long time before they 
you know, until they break something, they will not be able to come back from that panic state. Um, but some horses, when they hang back, like I've had a couple of my horses do this in odd situations. Like one time, um, my horse Freya was standing tied for the farrier and, um, or no, she was waiting for her turn. So she was just tied by the gate and I didn't even think about it. I had her tied where the gate was folded up against our fence. And at one point, one of the horses bumped the gate and it moved away from her nose and then booped her in the nose really hard and it made her hang back. But she hung back for all of, you know, two seconds and then came back off the pressure and was like, oh, but it was just that like teeny split second of like, something got me. And then she was like, oh, I'm fine. (laughs) So that's the type of situation where something like that without a metal clip um, is going to be helpful. But yeah, don't hard tie horses and just let them stand all day and hope they figure it out. That's that's not very nice. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, I feel like that will increase the chances of you severely injuring your horse as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've seen quite a few people around here, which Michaela, you've probably seen it when you lived down here too, that will let their horses stand tied for like six to 10 hours in the hot sun with no shade and no water. And that is, in my opinion, not the way to go about teaching your horse how to stand tied. Um, Yes, it does eventually work because they give up, but it is an extremely unkind way to do that. Um, so I was actually just thinking about this yesterday of a human comparison for this. So if you were to take a human and put them in a 10 by 10 room by themselves, chain them to the wall, would you expect that person to sit quietly, not pull on their restraints and just be able to handle it? Put them in there for 10 hours straight, no food, no water restrain them to a wall, no TV, nothing, just have to sit there. No, that person's not going to be sitting there. They're going to be trying to figure out how to get their restraints off. They're going to be maybe trying to pick at the wall, like see if they can break something there. Like they're going to be in a panic state too. They're going to be trying to figure out why they're alone and and why they're in this room. And so you're going to go through all sorts of anxiety states and stress states trying to solve the problem whereas if you take that same human put them in that 10 by 10 room and restrain them but you give them a snack and water and a friend guess what pretty easily they're going to be able to sit and not fight their restraints and not try and get away and do those things and that's what we're doing to our horses is most people are saying you need to stand at this tie post where you're extremely restricted with your physical movement you're going to be expected to do it for as long as I tell you to with no friends with no food and you need to deal with it Um, and so when we expect horses to do that from day one of when we tie them it's a little bit unfair of us to be angry at them when they get anxious and they paw or they hang back or they do any of these other anxiety behaviors because we haven't set them up for success you know we have given them the most difficult version of what we want them to do instead of giving them the easiest version of what we want them to do. Um, and so it's no wonder that most horse, a lot of horses that you see at tie posts will, 
they will be anxious. They'll be dancing around, moving back and forth. They'll be pawing. They'll be whinnying for their friends. They'll, you know, be hanging back. They'll be doing all sorts of behaviors. I mean, it's actually something we've created by the way that we set them up for it. So. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely, I feel like an old cowboy style of doing it. Like I've, I've known a lot of people who that's how they teach their horses to Mm -hmm. tie. Um, but I agree because there's like the devil's advocate in me that goes, yeah, that's great. But what about the horses who really do have to stand like that in their working life, right? And who do like, if they're out on the range and they do just need to be able to stand tied to something for a few hours by themselves while you go fix something. Or if you're camping and they need to be able to stand tied. But I like what you were just saying. It's like, well, they're going to be a lot better if they've got a friend or if they've got water, or if they've got food or just something there and it's not just them and themselves it's it's really is just increasing the level of difficulty you know because it's not that we can't eventually expect our horses to do the very difficult version but on day one of starting a cult you're not going to be expecting a half pass or a flying lead change on cue you know it's the same concept it's we're not going to be expecting the hardest version of something and for it to be perfect when they're just learning how to do it. So yeah, progressive overload. (laughs) Yes. So one of the things we talked about or that we mentioned that we didn't go into is tie rings. So um, to explain what those are for our listeners, tie rings are a little O-ring that have a piece that comes across the center of it. So you're able to feed your rope in and out of the two sides of this circle with the bar in the middle. And what that does is it creates some resistance when the rope is pulled, but it gives them enough give that most horses that hang back when they feel that they're not completely just, they don't just hit a hard end of of their rope and they have a little bit of give, they'll usually stop hanging back. So I think they're a really good tool. I actually used to be against them because I thought that they were a band-aid. But I do think at this point, I feel like they are something that's going to help decrease anxiety about being tied while you work on a lot of these other tools and pieces of the puzzle to help the horse stand tied. So that's why I do at this point in my career feel like they are very helpful. And if you don't have a tie ring, you can just loop your rope three or four times around your tie post. And that's going to provide a little bit of resistance as well without it being a hard tie. So a hard tie would just be you're tying a knot. So when that horse hits the end of it, that is the end. Um, and that's that's usually what will create the thrashing. So, Yeah. And with looping around the tie rail too, you want to make sure you don't cross mm-hmm. your your rope. Because if you cross your rope, it's going to lock at one point. So it's it's like a steady loop when you go around just just something to throw into there um so curious what do you think about people tying tying up to uh twine i see that a lot if somebody knows that their horse pulls back instead of tying them to like they're hard to their trailer they'll tie them to a piece of twine that they've tied onto their trailer um i mean i think it can save your trailer some damage but your horse is going to get away twine's not all that strong so (laughs) yeah yeah well i think that's the point is so the horse does get away but um, there was a horse that got that got away at camp and that that was one of the things is that it was tied to twine so it's one of those I, I've seen 
as touted as like something to do, but I haven't seen like the practicality of it other than, okay, your trailer might be okay, but then you're going to have a loose horse, right? Yeah. And that's, um, I've seen people use twine to tie their tie rings onto their trailer with so that if it breaks, then it'll come off. But as far as just using it in that form of just the twine, but you're hard tying to the twine, that just seems like you're creating a breakaway loop. It's almost like you're telling your horse to break loose. I don't know. Like that seems like a little bit like not helpful. Um, interesting. Yeah. I've, I haven't seen that done. Oh, really? Yeah. I see mm-hmm. it a lot. Um, I guess like in my head, I feel like tie rings are almost similar though. Unless like, unless you're able to be right there to loop them back through the tie ring, you're going to have a similar issue. And I'm thinking more of like on the lines of my horse is out camping with me or we're out doing something and I'm not going to be right there by my horse that's tied up. I do think tie rings are really amazing. Like if you are like saddling your horse or grooming your horse or you're right there actively with them but I think if you are going somewhere and you're camping with them or they they're having to stand there for a long time I'm not sure that they would be the best thing yeah and that actually is exactly why I used to not like them (laughs) because it was like well that's not fixing the problem you do eventually need to tie your horse somewhere you know most people are going to need to leave their horse in a location and walk away and need to know that that horse is secure there and is not going to get away. So realistically, you do need to eventually get away from your tie blocker ring so that your horse can stand tied and you can walk away and know that they're not going to just wander off <laughs> with their lead rope. So um, yeah, it, it's a tool to help get your horse to where they can tie hard tie, but it's not the don't use it as a band-aid. Don't just use it as like, oh, okay, ta-da, we're fixed. Um, work on the skills that your horse needs so that they can hard tie. So that if you need to take them to the vet or there's some weird situation where you need to tie them, then, then you can. So, Yeah, I agree. And I guess as you're talking to I'm like, I could see the benefit of doing the twine deal if you are there right with them and you are worried about them hanging back with you underneath them or doing something then breaking away is probably not a bad idea, (laughs) you know, so you don't end up getting trampled or something like that. But yeah, I, the problem needs to be fixed for you to have that trust in your horse. Yeah. Well, on the tie rings, I actually prefer more than just that type of a breakaway twine loop because with the tie ring, the horse usually has a steady pull backwards. If you've ever seen a horse hang back with a tie ring, it just hits the end, but then the end gives and so they just keep steadily moving backwards whereas I feel like with something like twine they would hit the end but then it would eventually break which creates like a flopping over so they could flip over Um, so that's what kind of scares me a little bit about using the twine is that it could create a horse flipping over on your saddle or flipping over on someone whereas the tie rings your horse is usually going to be taking backwards steps which is a little bit safer Um, so yeah that's a good point I I like that visualization though of having the horse be able to kind of take steps back and if you're if your lead rope's long enough that would probably or hopefully give them some time to think about the situation as well as they're able to get Mm -hmm. away a little bit without fully getting away yeah so yeah those tie rings are going to still keep that pressure on 
um, while giving them a little bit of movement while there's still pressure. And then the pressure only releases when they come forward. So very, very helpful. Well, should we move on to the next thing? So we've, we've talked about tools, um, mm -hmm. but from you, like in a training perspective, I am curious. Um, and I, I know most of your methods because I've worked with you, but yeah. when do you start hard tying your colts? Um, to me, I need to make sure they have all of their responses to pressure. Like we talked about before with body pressure, with hoof handling, with lead rope pressure, all of those things. And then I also need a horse to be able to be mentally, um, capable of coming into the right nervous system state. So in other words, how do they spook? You know, how, when they, when there's something that goes wrong or something that surprises them, are they going to jump are they going to run 20 feet are they going to run 200 yards are they, you know what what is their response to something that is scary because if if your horse is really spooky and is going to panic about little things that move or anything like that they're not ready to be tied so i am not going to hard tie a horse if i don't know that they can handle something potentially scary when they are tied. So in other words, they might raise their head and look at it, but they're not going to full-blown panic, hit the end of the rope and hang back. So that's kind of my rule of thumb there is making sure they're very well desensitized where they're not going to spook well, they have a lot of mental control and then have all of the pressure responses that I need. So. Well, and I, I like that, like knowing how they spook. I feel like that's really important too, before you even get on a horse, know how they're going to spook. Are they going to blow up? Are they going to spook at tiny little things? Um, and just gives you that a, a lot more confidence if you can see a horse spook. Cause I've, I was just thinking, um, I was on a gal's horse a little while ago and I just was so nervous. Like, and I was, I had a lot of anxiety about it. I'm like, why? Like this horse has been fine. And my anxiety didn't come down until he spooked at something. And then I watched him spooked and it was fine. It was not a big deal. And then, oh, okay. Like my anxiety just left. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I needed. I needed to see how he was going to react to something. Um, and I just thought that was an interesting observation that I just never really thought about before. Yeah, it's funny too. I had a horse that I put a third ride on oh, a few months back and I, on the ground, I had yet to find anything that would spook her. I mean, she was just pretty unflappable. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm on her on this third ride and, and the wind blew something that just was a sudden boom, and this crazy storm blew through and she spooked and jumped over to the side of the round pen. And then she licked her lips. She was fine. And we carried on. And I was like, Whoa, I think I can ride you through about anything now. Like, it's like you said, my anxiety just went way down. I was like, okay, we can handle you spooking now. I'm really glad we got to see that. <laughs> right. It, it's amazing what you can, what you can see in the confidence that you'll get just watching the horses react to different things. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So that actually, I kind of learned that the hard way with a horse that I had, which we've talked about before, the one that kicked me in the head when she was tied. And what I had overlooked was that I had tied her dozens of times. And so had her owner for the past year plus before she came to me. Hadn't had hanging back issues, was fine. 
So I didn't think anything of it. So she was tied and I was moving on from one horse to her and I was using some positive reinforcement. So I had my treat pouch on me, which she had seen before. I'd been using some positive reinforcement with her as well. But she had some odd behaviors during our sessions where she would get really concerned about things. Um, and and she would go to bucking randomly and doing some other weird behaviors that would come and go. So for, you know, a couple of days she'd be great. And then another day she'd be two-faced, you know, she'd be a completely different horse one day. Um, so anyway, I, I wasn't even thinking about tying, you know, it's like, oh, she ties, you know, wasn't even on the forefront of my mind. So I reached down to pick out her front hoof, which I'd done every single day since she'd been in training. And this was several weeks in and my treat pouch bumped her leg and she full-blown panicked. Her hind leg kicked me in the forehead. I fell over and then she, as she was hanging back, her legs were stepping all over my legs. Um, and that was an extremely difficult lesson learned, um, which I'm very grateful that I didn't lose consciousness and all of my injuries were all soft tissue. I didn't have anything other than just a mild concussion and I didn't need any surgeries or anything like that. Didn't break any bones, but I was pretty banged up. And ever since then, that taught me that anytime I'm working with a horse that I am not 200% confident that they can handle any situation that may or may not come up when they're tied, whether it's something touching them, something they see, something they smell, anything whatsoever. If I am not 200% confident in that horse being able to handle that, I will not have a horse hard tied when I am tacking or handling their feet ever. And now like Freya, my horse, I trust her with my life. And so she, I will pick out her feet and things while I, while she's tied but that's because I have that confidence in her. But yeah, with all my colts now, I will tie some of them because they have tied, most of them tie before they come to me. Um, but as soon as I come up to start tacking them up, I pull that rope loose and I loop it over a couple of times because I would much rather have a horse kick me and get away than kick me and have me underneath them and sit there and thrash while I'm under them. So it's just something that from that experience, I... I I'm very cautious in that regard. <laughs> so am I from that experience. <laughs> I know. I think you were more shaken up about it than I was. I think I was. That's <laughs> that's normal for me, though, guys. <laughs> but you just never know. Like I said, she tied for months and months, maybe probably even a couple of years before that happened. So it was just a fluke thing. Yeah. But really, it wasn't in regard, like, looking back at it and realizing some of the other bizarre behaviors she was showing in the other parts of her session when she wasn't tied. And it just so happened to creep into the tying situation that day, so. Yeah, well, it's easy to to move forward and go, oh, well, she's solid at tying. It doesn't matter if she's kind of struggling in these areas today, right? Like, you just don't don't think or put put all of the pieces together sometimes. Um when when you're training it just yeah and horses are sometimes crazy but I mean like not always crazy like you said there's there's always going to probably be a reason for what they are doing but yeah that was not a fun situation I'm really glad you're okay <laughs>
So do we want to go over a few more things about helping the hanging back horse before we go into helping the horse tie for the first time? Yeah, I think so. I feel like the majority of our audience is probably going to have a horse that has been tied that does ride who just happens to hang back. So I think it would be good to, to go yeah. through that. So some of the ways to fix it, which one of them we already spoke about was using either tie blocker ring or using a long lunge line where you can stand next to the horse and help correct the behavior and show them where the release of pressure is and that the release isn't when they break something. But another thing to take into account is physical issues. Um, on my post that I made a couple of days ago, I had one of my clients talk about one of her horses that started hanging back. And it was actually because she had a tooth issue that when she would hit the end of the lead rope, it would push on that tooth and then create tons of pain. And so pain is always something to check out, whether it's a horse's teeth, a horse's pull, um, which I think we've talked about in a few episodes before that their pull can get out of alignment and it can actually pinch nerves when their pole is out of alignment. So it can create vision loss and it can also create um, physical sensations and pain from the pinched nerves up there. So always rule out anything physical, uh, any pain like that. And that's always, always, always the first thing to go to, even not in hanging back in all sorts of horsemanship things, whether it's saddling, cinching, anything else, always check physical. And then we did mention this one a bit too, tie your horse with a friend and a hay bag and a tie ring. That is one of the easiest ways to help a horse relax about tying. Because even though we can do pressure and release all day long and show them, you know, this is where the release of pressure is, they still associate pressure, which in some horses case is going to lead to panic when they hit the end of the lead rope. So Instead of them associating pressure or anything negative with tying, we want to help them associate something positive with tying, which is a snack and a friend. And and then we have their, you know, like I said, the tie ring where you have them looped over. And that way they're going to have positive experiences at the tie post instead of having negative experiences at the tie post. Because <laughs> you could imagine if there was an experience that every time you had that experience, it was anxiety inducing, you wouldn't really want to go back and try it again. <laughs> You'd be like, no, I'm going to avoid that one. I'd, I'd rather not. Um, whereas if it's something that you find enjoyable, that's relaxing, you're going to say, yeah, I want to go do that. Do that again. That That's not so bad. I can go do that. That's what we want to create with our horse's mindset is, hey, tying's great. Tying means I get to have a snack. So that's that's kind of the idea behind that technique there. One of the things that I've done, I did this with a big, I think he was like 13 or 1400 pounds. He was huge. So you could imagine that he's going to snap pretty much anything he leans up against at the tie post. So his owner got him for a steal of a deal because he was very difficult to catch and you couldn't tie him to anything. So the people were just like, we can't deal with this. We can't fix this. So sold him for dirt cheap. So my client got him brought him to me and I mean this horse would feel even a teeny bit of pressure on his pole from the halter and he would shoot backwards just like 
all the, the first time I even like pulled downward on the rope, he just went all the way down the long side of the arena, like just backing, 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 backing before he finally came off the pressure. Um, so what I ended up doing with him was this exercise that actually really, really helped him reassociate pull pressure. So I would just lead him and then I would pull downward. And I started very gently, particularly with this horse, because he was so reactive to it. So I would just pull downward, just like it would be from like a tie post. So I would pull downward on the halter, and then he would raise his head and start to go backwards. And then as soon as he came off that pressure, I would just give him all the love and he would get that release of pressure. And I increasingly made this more and more difficult to where he would feel downward pressure on the halter and he would drop his head and start looking and chewing. And then I got to where I could grab the halter and jerk downward on it and just yank down as if he were hitting the end, right? So same sensation of a sudden uh, contact on his pole. And same thing. Occasionally he would shoot up for about half a second before dropping his head down. But he started having this new muscle memory of what to do when he felt sudden pull pressure. And that's what I was working with with him was just when you feel boom, that halter hits the top of your pole, your response needs to be go down, bring your head down, give to that pressure and it's going to go away. And he started getting really good at that. Um, I only had him for a short tune up because his ridden skills were great. He was super handy. Um, so we worked on just those couple of little issues with him. So I think I had him for 30 days. It might've been 60. Um, so I didn't get it completely fixed by the time he went home, but it was significantly better. So I really wish I could have kept working with him for like six more months to be like, did we get it fully fixed? Because I've never taken a horse all the way to fully fixed with that has that bad of a hanging back problem. Yeah, that's really neat. Have you heard back from that client by chance? I haven't. That was years ago. Oh, man. You're going to have to reach <laughs> out to them, too. I know. <laughs> Add it to our list. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, it's yeah. and that was just something I came up with just because it was like, okay, the, you need a new association with this pull pressure and to associate it with it's not evil. It's not bad. And it's not always at a tie post. It was randomly when we were walking. So it was kind of a way of separating it from the actual post um, because that's another thing too is he would come up to a post and immediately get anxious like he was like oh this is the post right like this is where the bad things happen <laughs> and so being able to piece that out and take it into smaller puzzle pieces and say okay let's work on this aspect um, and separate it that way is helpful so yeah, I like that being able to separate it from the actual anxiety causing things. So then they have those behaviors, right? Like you could do the same thing with trailer loading too. Mm -hmm. If you have a horse that, that ha like freezes its feet before you get to the trailer, work on that away from the trailer and then work on it when you're at the trailer as well. Yeah, I like that. So another big thing with tying that is, it's one of these pieces, right? That we're just talking about of the different puzzle pieces that we need to work on to get tying good and that is separation anxiety that's one of the biggest reasons horses are anxious at tie posts and it's because a lot of people do it the way where you have to stand by yourself without a friend without a snack without anything and so they the horses are herd animals so they say i want my friend um and so then they 
create even worse separation anxiety by being restricted and not being able to move their feet. And um, so there are many, many different ways to work on separation anxiety. A lot of how I deal with separation anxiety now is focus work. So turning horse loose in an arena or a round pen and allowing their mind to wander off to their friends and whinny at their friends and then bring their attention back to me repeatedly over and over and over again until they start realizing that focusing on me is actually a better place and they would actually prefer to be with me instead of have their head over the fence whinnying at their friends and feeling anxious because they're going to find relaxation with me and they're going to find safety and comfort with me. And so it becomes that the, the, focusing on me is comforting to them. So that's one of the big ways that I work on separation anxiety, but there's there's a lot to it as far as you can also do short duration things of taking a horse away from their friends, going and hand grazing them until they relax and then bringing them back. Increasing how long they have to stay away from their friends, increasing the difficulty of what situations they have to be away from their friends so that they, number one, can trust you, but that they know that they will always be coming back. You know, it's not anything where they need to worry that they're never going to see their friends again. So few different yeah, tips like, there. Um, we should do another just episode on that alone. I feel like that is a big issue. I yeah. see a ton. I have that and both of my horses have that problem. We should definitely dedicate an episode to that. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm like this is like a huge encompassing yeah. thing, but it's a major issue with tying because mm-hmm. it just adds anxiety, adds fuel to that. Yeah. I, I think it's good to be aware of that too. As it's like, you know, if your horse is struggling with that or struggling with anything, it needs to happen not in a in a space where they do feel confined and trapped, right? Yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of trapped, that leads me to one of my other points, which is teaching your horse how to handle being trapped, which means doing things like leading by the foot where they have a rope wrapped around their foot and they have to learn to give to that pressure and pull their foot forward. Do that with all four feet. I recommend doing it with the softer ropes so that it doesn't have so much bite. Um, when you pull on it, like lariats will kind of dig and can rope burn your horse a little bit. Um, if you're really handy with a rope, you can do it with lariat, but just be mindful. <laughs> um, and then teaching your horse to stop by a foot, I think is extremely helpful. So like you would lunge the horse and then you would pull and put pressure on the foot that has the rope around it. And that horse needs to learn to stop as soon as they feel that foot stuck. So uh, I feel like a... you'd have to be super careful with that one too. Cause I just, in my head, I have visions of like shoulders, like coming out of place if you pull too hard or hips oh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. hocks or knees. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about like yanking a horse's legs out from <clears throat> underneath them. Excuse me. I'm talking about just feeling contact. That's it. I mean, say your horse is on a trail ride and they happen to come into some barbed wire that's on the ground. When they initially touch that barbed wire, it's not going to be wrapped around them tightly. It's just going to be restricting movement of that foot initially. So that's all I'm talking about is just that that feeling of pressure coming on that foot. It's It's really easy to do. I just do it at a walk to start with, if they're not doing really, really well at a walk, I'm not going to take them up into a trot Um, because they're going to stumble. They're going to fight you more. They're going to panic. They're going to run away. It's going to be a mess. (laughs) Um, So it's, you just do it at a walk, teach them how to 
stop when they feel that pressure on their ankle. And it's super helpful. I've actually been doing it with a rope shy horse that I have in training right now. So teaching him how to give to ropes in all the weird places, the feet, the cannons, the under his tail, all the, all the places ropes can be. <laughs> yeah. I like, I think that's a good, um, good clarification. Don't yeah. be yanking on the feet. But yeah, no, sure, don't don't yeah. do that. That's that's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, like I said, I'm like I have pictures of like really not good things. So yeah. <laughs> don't don't pull your the feet out from underneath them. <laughs> it does help in that it teaches them how to be restricted and trapped in a sense, and be able to stay in a problem solving mindset when they are trapped, and be able to say, okay, these two feet are stuck if you're hobbling or something like that, or this one foot is stuck if you're leading by a foot or stopping by a foot and they can say, okay, what do I do about it? How do I solve the situation? Instead of going into panic. Because <laughs> that's what causes us hanging back is panic. They're not in their right mind when they're hanging back. They're just in survival mode. So, yeah. Yeah. I love these very good tips. So another thing that um, I'm going to say, which I have said this many times on this podcast, never, ever, ever go under your horse's head when they are tied. <laughs> if yes. I have not gotten this across. <laughs> pet peeve, number one. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, it, it's still crazy to me because as many, like I said, I didn't get a single no of people saying they haven't seen a horse hang back before. And as many people have seen horses thrash and hang back and, and then they'll hit the end. And then sometimes the horse will lurch forward and slam into the fence in front of them. And I mean, there's all sorts of things that I've seen with horses hanging back and horses falling over sideways and getting stuck between fences and posts and all sorts of things. And it boggles my mind how people will still walk underneath a horse's head when they're tied. It just boggles my mind completely. I'm like, wait, you've seen this and you still go under there so it's it's just one of those things that I'm like if you don't have to put yourself at risk why why there's no like it takes five extra steps to walk around the back of your horse <laughs> so yeah well and it's definitely one of those like if you have a horse you trust and you just are, oh I trust them I do it right and this was actually I had a I was helping out a gal um a few weeks ago and you know, she's, she's very handy around horses, been around horses her whole life. And I'm kind of correcting her on the little things, you know, like, oh, don't loop the lead rope around your hand. Oh, don't, you know, like, don't go underneath your horse's neck and things. And one thing she's like, oh yeah, but he's, he's good, right? Like he's, he's trustworthy. I got it. I'm like, yes, but here's the thing. If you do it around him, you're around him the most. You're going to do it around horses that you don't know too. Because again, that's that muscle memory, right? You're going to just do things that you naturally do with the horse that you're around the most. And that's why it's really important. Like even the horses that are solid, like, like you said, Freya, you trust her with your life. You could probably walk under her neck. No problem. Right. But if you get in the habit of doing that with her every single time, you're going to probably do that around another horse as well, without really thinking about it first. Um, my biggest thing too, with hanging back, untie your horses before you enter the trailer, please my bad experience with a hanging back horse. I got in a trailer again, like a horse that I just never, I didn't know he had issues or anything. 
and we had unloaded the horse behind him. I'd gone in to unload him. I was untying him and he hung back. And then it was, I mean, it was a mess. He, he lurched forward and banged me in front of the trailer and I got stuck between him and the trailer for a little while. And then until finally the clip broke. So I was very glad he had a clip <laughs> on his offer. Um, but clip came broke or clip broke and he went flying out of the trailer and luckily I was okay very shaken up and he banged me pretty good but that's that's one of my pet peeves now too is it's like uh no I don't enter a trailer unless all horses are like at a position where they can come out easily and I'm not going to be stuck in there with a horse that's freaking out absolutely yeah that's a good point be very careful in trailers so to finish up, I think let's go over some of the things for tying for the first time, and then we'll wrap up. Sounds great. So tying for the first time, um, like this applies a lot with my yearling. So I'll probably refer to her a few times, Zaya. Um, I just looped it with her for a while, and I would just loop her next to her mom. So she was standing next to her mom, and she wanted to be next to mom anyway. So that made it really easy. But yeah, always start with just looping it. Um, and that way you can kind of get a gauge for what their response is to being tied and to being restricted and if they uh, feel the need to move around a little bit more. So always just loop it the first while. Um, and then, like I said before, tie with a friend or a hay bag. So I always tie Zaya with Quasi or Freya is who she's usually tied next to because I know they stand quietly. They're going to encourage her to have the right behaviors. They're not going to paw and do those things. So I like tying her with someone that's going to lead by example and be a nice quiet horse at the tie post. So with um, that, yeah, really quick, where do you tie your hay bags? Uh, good point. High enough your horse can't paw, that, paw the hay bag and get a foot stuck. So yeah, 100%. <laughs> And if your horse has shoes, a hay bag with like a hole in it is usually better than your hay nets. Um, the nets, it's really easy for a horse to get a shoe stuck in them. So, and that just the, the netting hangs lower, whereas the ones with the hole in them, the hole is about halfway up the bag. So it's much higher and extremely difficult to get a hoof in if you're tying it high enough. So, and then just increase distance increased duration. So distance from their friends and duration of how long they need to tie. So you're just going to make it a little bit more challenging, a little bit more challenging, um, and, and then increase the level of distraction. So once they stand really, really well at home, then you're going to take them to a new arena. And, you know, maybe the first time you take them to a new arena, then you're going to add back in a couple of the things, say you have them standing at home alone without a hay bag quietly. Now, when you go to a new arena for the first time, if they struggle at all, you can put them next to a friend and with a hay bag. So you can add back in a couple of those things that show them how to do it a little easier, a little quieter, um, and then take those things away again. So, and honestly, having a hay bag is such an easy thing to do. You don't necessarily even have to ever take that away if you don't want to. Um, the biggest thing is making a mess at someone else's facility is the big thing with hay bags is don't make a mess at someone's Tyrell. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it, though. No, I think we got a lot covered in this one. So, as always, if you want to contact us or ask us questions or anything, go ahead and email us. Or you can even leave a comment as well on this episode. Awesome. Awesome.
Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.